0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Gigabit Nation Broadband Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig Settles, and I want to thank everyone in the audience for taking time to be with us today. Our mission, as always, is to provide information to help public, private, and nonprofit organizations Get faster, better broadband everywhere it needs to be in these United States. Money. It is not necessarily the root of all evil, but it is definitely at the root of much heartburn when it comes to broadband planning. You know, how are we going to pay for this network that we want and need? Where's the money going to come from if we have to go X route? Can we actually make it work? Um, When I did one of my surveys of economic development professionals uh, a few years ago to gauge the impact of broadband on local economies, I came across a company called National Community Development Services, which I learned uh, they help communities with economic development fundraising. And uh, the president of uh, NCDS, Tom DeFiore, uh, described to me the process And uh, of what they do, and we've been comrades in arms pretty much ever since. Uh, I'm not going to steal Tom's thunder, but uh, the the tie that binds us here is this belief that drives their business and and mine, uh, which is that community projects that foster or improve local economic development should be treated as business ventures, and as such, they need to have investors. So economic development fundraising in that vein uh, says let's go find investors in that project whatever that particular economic development project is the same way a Silicon Valley startup would seek investors uh, in their new technology. So let me bring on the man behind the service. Tom welcome to the show. Thank you Craig. Now I should start you know let the audience know Tom is not in the Broadband business. He is in the economic development fundraising business. But what you know, we have talked about over the, the, the past few years, Tom and I, is that this this idea, this methodology of um, doing economic development fundraising, is a good fit for broadband when those communities building it are trying to build broadband as a uh, as an economic development asset for the community. So, with that said. Tom, you talk a little bit about your your company. You guys have raised what it was 1.7 billion dollars over the time that you guys have been in business, which is not chicken feed. How do you do what you do?
2: Yeah, well, it's a that's a good question, and I'll, I'll I'll summarize it by saying we we apply standard fundraising principles, which um, most of the listeners are probably familiar with that have given money to various nonprofits. But we apply those those standard campaign principles. To the world of economic and community development um the the best example i guess to give is to a, a typical client and a typical use of the money we we raise uh, our, our client base are primarily are economic development organizations and chambers of commerce all over the country for communities ranging from 10,000 you know population counties all the way up to major metro areas but they all want the same thing. They all want to grow their local economy. They all want to create jobs, and they all want to raise their income levels. And usually the organization that's assigned to do that, whether it be a chamber or an EDC or a combination and or some public-private partnership, they need resources to do those things for their community. Um, and what they'll use those resources for range from your traditional uh, marketing and business recruitment Efforts, uh, and when I say that, I mean in the strictest sense. I, the money we we raise is not used as the incentive pot; um, only the, the government can do that. But our clients typically will hire professionals and fund travel budgets, and create materials and do target market studies to go out and, and find and help uh, attract business in a very competitive. Uh, industrial recruitment arena, but more often uh, in recent times, as that as the number of projects have gone down, we've seen communities raising money for everything from uh, setting up incubators to more aggressive existing business retention uh, and expansion programs to bring more people or better software. Uh, we've seen communities raise money for specific, uh, you know, infrastructure projects, whether it be building a spec building an industrial park. Uh, or helping uh, get a new interchange put in out at the out at the interstate to workforce development and everything in between. So the, w- what I think that uh, applies here about broadband really is that, you know, broadband access and broadband capacity to me is a tool uh, that these folks need to be looking at in terms of its ability to boost uh, a local community's ability to either compete for new business, uh, new people, or to make it a better environment for the for the businesses they have, and therefore it, it seems to me, anyway, uh, that it could be uh, a case could be made, much like a case can be made for the other things I just described.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, um, we have talked a number of uh, times. fact, we did a webinar together actually back during the the broadband stimulus days, and we did uh, trying to to get people to understand you know fully how to engage. Um, it's correct in saying that w- one of the reasons that these projects that you guys pursue are successful is because there's actually more people than, you, than a community thinks that would be willing to invest in a uh, project that impacts the community in a positive way economically. Sure and and I think what you're
2: going at is the, the broadband much like what I've been describing is, is the quintessential sort of public good um it, you know it's a major undertaking and it's probably too big an undertaking for any one entity uh, or interested party to fund all by themselves um but it does do the collective good and basically everybody with a vested interest in that community and anybody with a stakeholder in that that's a stakeholder in that community is going to benefit um that's kind of the same approach we take to uh our in our traditional campaigns whereby, you know, more jobs, more people, higher incomes, more capital investment, it benefits everybody. Um and certainly it benefits some people more than others, i.e. the utility companies and the banks and the hospitals and the large employers. Mm-hmm. Um but even the smallest business. Um we had an example recently where we uh I think it was about a five million dollar campaign. And we had uh, a commitment of $100,000 over a five-year period from the local waste management company because, you know, we helped them connect the dots between jobs, incomes, people, and, you know, how many tons of waste and recyclables, recyclables they were going to get. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think broadband's much the same way. No one person or no one company is going to, you know, reap all the benefit from a new broadband network, but everybody um from the biggest company down to the mom and pop, you know, grocer or, you know, hair salon is is going to get something out of it uh in our approaches everybody ought to be investing at a fair and appropriate level. Mhm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
0: Let's um let's get into the to heart to the heart of some of this. Uh you, um, you and I talked when I was writing a book on uh, developing broadband strategy, and there were there were four points that we uh, talked about that are that are in the book. But there's kind of the key to how you actually make or or run a successful uh, economic development fundraising effort. Uh, starting with you know it's about the community needs. So let's talk through these. What, what do you mean by it's it's about the community's needs, not the organization's needs?
2: Well, I think that's an important point when it comes to any kind of fundraising, and we'll probably flip that a little bit on its ear for this you know, discussion in this group, because I'm assuming most of this group that's listening and interested and involved in broadband probably is not connected to an organization, per se, like a Chamber of Commerce or like an Economic Development Council. Maybe they are, and that would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, that that statement that it's about the community's needs, not the organization needs, really goes to the fact that too many chambers, too many EDCs find themselves um either being less effective or less relevant and you know, losing money and we will get calls from from our friends in those industries and around the country saying, hey, we're losing money, we're losing members, we need to go raise some money. Well, I, I don't really you know, nobody's gonna give money to keep the doors to an organization open. Um what they will give money to, and we found they will give lots of money to is for a particular initiative that's going to create um, specific outcomes and results and impact. So you know, it's the old adage that look, no, you know, we we can't be effective to go out for for a fundraising effort that people perceive to be empire building. Mm-hmm. Um, but as long as it's about doing the work that needs to be done, and you know, and delivering on an unmet need. Um, you know, we can usually hit a home run. Now, for this group, I think the challenge may be the other way around. With a broadband initiative, you've got uh, an obvious need and an obvious project, um, you know, on the initiative side, what you may not have is an organization uh, that has standing, reputation, um, credible leaders around the table, and you need all those things also to be able to go out to the community as a whole um, from a credibility standpoint. So, you know, the, the challenger might be a little different.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm a big proponent. I mean, everybody who's listened to the show knows that I am a big proponent of going out and assessing the community's needs. And I would go as far as to say that in doing that exercise and doing that um, stakeholder uh, needs assessment that we are – you know, looking at the need, the need identifies who has that need will be the more likely uh, investors. We have a call coming in. Actually, we're going to we're going to take not uh, from Chuck, but from. Good morning. This is Gigabit Nation. We have a caller on the line. Hello. Do we have hello. A- from the two one five area code. Hello. Yes. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Now we got you.
3: Uh, yes, I'm sorry. Uh, this is the first time I sort of dialed in. Uh, I thought I was going to just uh, sort of listen to the blog here. Oh, no, I do, I do have a question in general. Uh, I'd be interested in specifically in uh, the SEC's efforts recently to sort of uh, blanket the world with their own Wi-Fi and sort of setting up an ongoing battle between uh, the wireless carriers and the... Uh, the tech giants, Google, Microsoft, et cetera, would seem to be pushing with the FCC.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I'm going to answer that very briefly because it is a little bit off topic. But, but uh, you can go ahead and listen to the rest of the show, I think, from your computer. You don't have to be dialed in to, uh, to listen. But the recent announcement about um, the government creating a nationwide free Wi-Fi network was actually erroneous. And it unfortunately started off a whole stream of articles and credible publications saying that the government is the FCC is driving this project, and actually that's not the case. The government is um, trying to make spectrum available so that companies will come in and build wireless networks using that technology. Um, and we can, uh, you know, you can email me or contact me, you know, after the show. And I can point you to where the real details are on that particular item. Are you involved in a, a community broadband project yourself, or are you just sort of gathering information about broadband?
3: Uh, really, just gathering information. I just have. Uh, I'm from Philadelphia here, and remember the uh, the failure of the Wireless Philadelphia experiment. In fact, mm-hmm. an old friend is from the prep.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. And also a friend of Craig's. Oh, you, you went to the. Who is this, by the way? This is Fred Raybrook. How are you? Yes, uh, high school buddies. Good lordy! All right, tell you what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna hang up on this one. We, you and I should con, uh, could, should uh, touch base afterwards. Tom and I are gonna carry on the discussion about economic uh, development fundraising, which may have a role in Philadelphia. We'll start. We'll talk about you know these kinds of projects in the context of small towns, rural towns, and and urban areas. So we'll we'll come back to Philly, no doubt. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks a lot. I think the small town, you know, efforts are
3: where it's at. I think that's right on target.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. You're welcome. Talking you a bit. All right. Little little side diversion there, but that's okay. That's okay. I I think we actually do, Tom, and when we wrap through run through these four points, talk about the differences or the potentials for. Uh, economic development, fundraising, uh, if you're a small town versus a large uh, urban area. Um, so we talked about the needs assessment. That's that's key. You know, you've got to understand the needs. But in understanding those needs, you have the opportunity to uncover uh, people who could potentially say, you know, well, we have this need. Now that you've brought it to our attention and we've discussed it, uh, when you come to the point of developing the plan, maybe we would be potential investors in that plan. Is, is that a – Maybe a fair assessment, time. Yeah,
2: that is. And as far as broadband goes, you know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, as part of our process, we do something called a feasibility uh, analysis and goal assessment. And we mm-hmm. generally take a a proposed program of work. We call it a multi-year strategic initiative. And, and typically, it has components, business recruitment, business retention, workforce, um, maybe some, you know, small business, entrepreneur, incubator, and things like that. But a, but, but a gamut of initiatives that an organization is proposing. And in the context of, of, of doing confidential interviews will say, look, you know, what do you think are some of the impediments to this community's growth? Um, And what do you think the real opportunities and needs are? And and it's interesting because even several years ago, we started hearing the occasional broadband uh, and bandwidth-type comments. And, of course, we're not experts in that realm, but um, I can recall specifically uh, a fairly rural area talking to a major manufacturer who basically said, look, if this community had – better bandwidth and more redundancy and all those words that you guys know, um, we could have won an expansion um, from our company at this plant. We could have doubled our employment and, you know, um, doubled the capacity here, but instead it went to another community in another state because we didn't have that, you know, that infrastructure here. Um, So from that standpoint, you, you know, finding out the community's needs and opportunities And not just, you know, what we tell people, even our expert, quote-unquote, expert economic development um, practitioners, they may know exactly what a community needs, um, but most people are not going to respond by the, quote, hired help telling them what their community needs. So um, it's almost like you have to make it someone else's idea, even though, you know, our broadband expertise may say, look, we you know, we're we need this, we need a bad. Well you, you really need to have other people sort of suggest that and there's ways of obviously having it come to the to the head of the class um rather than sort of ramming it down their throat saying, I know best and here's what we need.
0: hmm Um very very interesting. I wanna I want to follow up on the you know the 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 specific projects versus, you know, sort of a generic fundraising effort. Sure. Um, One little administrative detail for all our listeners, if you can um, refresh your screens, Uh, we had a number of people that tried to connect earlier before the show went live, and we lose you on the chat room monitor when that happens, though your connection is still good. If you can just refresh your screens, that would be uh, very helpful. All right, so in, in terms of these specific projects, um, is that like saying if, if you come up with a network, say, specifically to uh, revamp the, the health care delivery in a community, or if one of your targets for the network is to create a new industry in that area? For example, I'm working with a community, uh, Tumwa, uh, Iowa, and we're looking at using a uh, specific part of the network to drive um, a robotics and laser industry within a tumbler to bring that specific industry into town. Is it that narrow a focus is what makes these projects easier to raise money for?
2: Well, it certainly doesn't have to be that narrow, um, okay. Craig, but, but, I, but I do agree that if you can make the connection between an opportunity and a need that the community recognizes, and in your example, it sounds like that community has recognized that industry as being um, a huge opportunity for them. For whatever reason, they've got mm-hmm. some competitive advantages to create jobs and investment in companies in that particular industry. And if what's standing between us and growing that industry is broadband, well, then, heck yeah, it becomes a no-brainer. Um, that's a perfect example. It doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily have to be that narrow. In other words, if we find through a number of surveys and other research that you know several industries that we want and need and think we have some unique capabilities of if if they all need broadband um and we don't have it well, either we need to get it or we need to find some other industries um you know it's no different than someone who says, "Well, we want to be the next Silicon Valley or software development capital of the world well, guess what if if we don't have a university that's putting out software engineers nearby mm-hmm. and we don't have the kind of place that they want to live. We probably shouldn't be chasing that industry. Or if we want, you know, if we're chasing an industry that's a heavy water or heavy power user, we don't have those assets. Well, we can't chase them. Um, so, you know, from that standpoint, from an economic develop, pure economic development standpoint, if the goal is to to chase and grow and attract industry, uh, specific industries or specific kind of businesses that need that resource, um, then, yeah, you can make a case. Um, but, but again, I don't think it has to be that narrow, Craig. The, mm-hmm. the point with, you know, that being about specific projects, not, you know, the organization goes back to my early statement that says, look, you know, they may, there's no, we tell clients that want money, there's no law or statute or mandate that says your community has to have a chamber of commerce, or an economic development council,
1: mm-hmm. um,
2: they'll only they only want you and need you if you're doing relevant things. So our whole point is, if you propose something that's relevant and will move the needle from a community and economic development standpoint, they'll get behind it. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be physical in nature, like a broadband network. It can mm-hmm. be programmatic in nature, as long as it has um, a specific agenda and some you know strategies that are going to point to an outcome, not just having a, a bigger organization with more staff and, you know, higher rents.
0: Mm-hmm. So so it doesn't need to be narrow, but it does need to be specific in the what is it going to do and what is it going to produce. Exactly.
2: It needs to be outcome-oriented, which is no different than anything in life, really. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it needs to be outcome-oriented, and I think it does need to address um, a specific sort of agreed-upon need or opportunity uh, you know again it would it would be silly for you know for your example otomwa iowa to to propose a major initiative that says we want to raise millions of dollars because we're going to recruit google's headquarters to otomwa iowa well, well that's probably not very likely
0: <laughs> so you have to be specific and realistic yeah okay that makes sense Now, um, another point that you you bring up in your philosophy of uh, uh, fundraising is that um, what they help write, they will help underwrite. That's very catchy, but explain that one a little bit. Yeah,
2: and and that goes a little bit to my point earlier about the, you know, it needs to be their idea. Now, it doesn't mean you can't or, you know – put it this way. Our most effective clients are experts in, in economic development. They're practitioners and they're trained and they know what communities needs. Um But they don't, as I said before, sort of shove things down the throat and say, look, I came up with this idea, now you pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, they go through a process and sometimes, you know, people call it visioning. Sometimes it's town hall meetings and strategic planning and all those things that we've all know about. Um, through some process of that, you get to the point where the people who you're going to ask to write the checks have at the very least endorsed and approved an idea. Um, it's even better if they think they came up with the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the very least, if I want Bank X or Hospital Y um to write a check for a hundred thousand dollars a year for five years to help fund this initiative, then you know, it behooves me to have had those people involved in the process um, so that when it came down, when it came time to said, this is what the community needs, and this is initiative we're going to go forward with, they they've got their thumbprints or fingerprints on that initiative somehow, some
0: way. Hmm. Interesting. Now, um, in in a proposal or in shaping a proposal like this. Um, I can see where, you know, having those people involved in the writing, it definitely increases ownership. There's no doubt in my mind that 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 happens. Are there specific things, though, that – Uh, I don't know, raise the excitement level, you know, like, for example, in in traditional, say, startup investing, you know, if you go to a VC and they are talking about investing in a startup company, they'll tell you the most important thing to us are, um, you know, who's the management team? Who's the management team? They may have a mediocre idea or they may have no, uh, you know, necessarily a clear vision, but a general vision. But if they have this stellar management team, you know, folks will... At least give them angel money, angel investment money, right, like, similar kind of criteria in this whole space of economic development fundraising
2: sure and and, and it just goes to the the uh, the prudence of what you just described. We talk in terms of asking rights when we go out and test an idea with the community, we're looking for where an idea rates uh, across about five attributes of asking rights, and one of those asking rights um we've already discussed the first one the need or the opportunity um the the and then the next one is the plan you know do we have a good plan to address that need or opportunity? The third one is exactly what you 're talking about Is the proposing organization or proposing group of people seem to be credible and competent um and I think that that in most communities it's a combination of staff and again for for a traditional economic development or chamber client it's you know have we seen the staff at work, and we do do we think they're competent? But you can get by that because sometimes it's a startup and you don't have that staff yet. Mm-hmm. But the backup there then goes to the volunteer leaders, who who and back to that who helped under who helped write it in the first place. If we've got a blue ribbon panel of, of this community's first team of business leaders that have all endorsed and signed off on this idea, um, that sends a message to everybody else that says, "Look, your money's safe here. We're not going to blow it. We're not going to waste it." Um, We've, not only do we have an idea, but we've got the right people uh, and the right leadership to make sure it gets deployed the way we say it's going to get deployed. Mm-hmm. Um, but all that is, you know, is borne out when we test an idea. Um, and frankly, that's one of the the question marks on a lot of sort of startup-type initiatives where people say, boy, this is a great idea, and I'd love to see it happen in our community. But I think I might need to know a little bit about who's going to be in charge of this before I go ahead and commit. Um In our world, that's okay because you've got a little bit of a green light there to go out and raise some money if you can answer some of those questions before you actually come back and and ask for the commitment. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, when you say test the idea, is that meaning uh, via a a pilot project or you go out and say or ask, you know, a hundred businesses, if we built this network, would it have a positive impact on your business? and, you know, 80% say yes, is is that the level of testing, or do you need to kind of physically produce something? You know, and-
2: it, would be, it would be more than that. I think what you just described probably ought to be part and parcel of the idea itself. In other words, when I say test, um, our process we call a feasibility analysis and goal, goal assessment, and we basically take an idea, a concept, in this example, you know, a new broadband network for the community. We put a price tag behind it. Um, we make some uh, assertions about why it's needed and what the benefits are going to be. And more than likely, that survey type that you just mentioned, You know, hopefully part of the, the reason we need it is because we've done a survey and 95% of our businesses in town said they'd, they'd use it, they'd like it, they'd buy it or whatever, or residents or whatever. So, so that testing, the, the market demand, I guess, would probably be done before The testing I'm talking about. The testing I'm talking about is um, here's a concept. um, We think it's a good idea, and here's some data and some stats to back up why we think it's a good idea. Here's what it's going to cost. Here's what we think the short-term and long-term outcomes are going to be in terms of, you know, new businesses, new jobs, uh, community improvement, however you want to tabulate that. And we go out and we, we interview you know, anywhere from 50 to 70 folks who, if they were so inclined, could write a check to make it happen. And we say, look, what do you think about this idea? Is it good or bad? Um, do you see the? Com- do you agree the community would benefit? Hopefully they all say yeah. Um, do, do you like the people that are involved in this? Do you have faith and trust? It's back to those asking rights. Um, and based on the answers we get to all those questions, we come back with a um, pretty clear recommendation that says, we think you can launch a fundraising effort to do this or not. Or sometimes it's in between, which is, well, the community's intrigued and they're interested, but you need to answer this question, this question. You need to fix this um, before you actually go out and do it.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's presenting a lot of the detaily stuff to people who are potential investors, and they, in essence, will give you um, uh, some perspective because you, you you also talk about a, a almost like a tiered. Uh, uh, investor list you know there are there's like a lead investor and then there are you know the next maybe five or ten investors who are coming in at a lesser amount but still significant and that is kind that is what gets the ball really rolling
2: Sure, like any fundraising, whether you're raising money for a you know a church or a pet shelter or whatever um standard fundraising principles you know apply, and there's some you know the fundraising has its own eighty twenty rule if you will mm-hmm. um, but yeah the, those w- y- you know we talk in terms of we have a formula that says interest times capacity equals maximum pledge, mm-hmm. so those industries those companies. Um Those individuals perhaps um that that have the most gain and have the highest capacity, they need to lead the way. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest mistake in fundraising people make as well if we have you know if we gotta raise a uh a million dollars if we get a thousand people to give a thousand dollars each, then you know we'll we'll get our goal doesn't work that way um somebody's got somebody's gotta give the big you know gifts we don't use the word investor that's the word we use. Traditional fundraiser fundraisers talk in terms of gifts, um, so yeah, you do need uh, lead gifts, medium, and then you know grassroots efforts as, as well. And that's you know that's more campaign minutia that the, this group probably doesn't want to hear about. Um, mm-hmm. But but I like the fact, Craig, that you use the word investors. And, and back to that testing, we actually call the document that we use to test the idea. We call it a prospectus um mm-hmm. just just like if you were, you know, trying to get someone to invest in your company or, you know, talking to a VC, um you'd probably get, you know, you would you would create a prospectus. Um we do the same thing. Um the difference is they're not investing in it to generate a, a return for themselves. They're they're generating a return um because of the rising tide raises all ships uh mm-hmm. and they're going to be part of that.
1: Mhm.
0: Um by the way, are there other um are there other benefits to the investor other than the economic impact on the community? Oh,
2: of course, in a in a traditional economic development program and campaign, uh you know, benefits run the gamut of, you know, being at the quote-unquote table. Um you know, we talked about rounding up this community's first team of business. Well, if you're part of that first team of business people, you know, you're going to be involved in the delivery of the program. So when a prospect comes to town, maybe you'll take them out to dinner. Um, you know, when when a prospect comes to town and they need a bank, uh, the banks who invest it are going to get first crack at that business. Um, and there are other benefits as well. You know, a traditional economic development organization provides certain services that they'll make available to their investors, uh, research, data, things like that. Um, some people will invest just to be part of that crowd, if I'm a small business person and I see the the who's who's of my community um, as leaders of this effort, and I know by investing, you know, maybe it's a small amount for my company, but but by becoming an investor, I'm now part of their team and I get to come to the annual meeting and rub shoulders with them and and come to board meetings and be around them, you know, sometimes that's a benefit. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I I don't want to overplay the access idea, but, but a lot of times that is the the secondary benefit other than just the, the direct benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for a broadband effort, I don't know what that would be. I, you know, again, I don't know enough about some of these projects, and I'd be interested to, to, for us to talk about some of that. But,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, I can imagine that um, something like this, if it created a new new network and a new service that maybe investors get, um, you know, preferred pricing, or if it's a network that's going to that's gonna be having um, – advertising and and marketing opportunities that you get first crack at that um you know so those might be Mm -hmm. some of the uh, additional benefits that an investor would get that that his you know competitor down the street if i'm an insurance agency it's going to benefit me but what do i get that that my competitor insurance agency
0: down the road doesn't get if he doesn't give right and then there may be some interesting ways to you know explore that i mean the 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 most prevalent, I think, is um, you know, access to the service. And right. generally speaking, a lot of the people who are likely to be investors are likely to benefit from uh, you know, having that broadband network in place. And so, uh, it, you know, again, my marketing mind kicking in says, well, maybe you would give them you know, uh, a special gold-level or A-level service contract. So they are guaranteed in any kind of major, you know, trial, tribulation, whatever, that they get, you know, first first run of the, you know, or first hit at the um, at the, the customer service or the tech mm-hmm. support operation. Sure. Um, there may be some proactive services related to customer support. Uh, you know, um, and I'm not, I'm again sort of blue skying, but you know, certain accesses to, you know, specialized types of services, you know, certain types of data storage services. I mean there's there's a number of ways to do that. I see what you're saying. But you know, you sort of look at the big picture of, you know, once you put that network in, what are all the things the company's going to need after that? And is there a way to, you know, provide some sort of, I don't know, bonus or, or something they get in that realm that becomes the value uh that becomes the value added.
2: Yeah, and I'm sure that uh, your folks out there could probably get creative depending on the kind of service and the mm-hmm. where they are in the food chain, but you know, it might just be as simple as recognition. I mean, if if a community begins building a- and advertising um a new community-wide, you know, network, um I, you know, Go back to the stimulus days and the big orange sign that says "This brought to you by the, you know, the Recovery and Reinvestment Act. What's wrong with having a sign by the side of the road where the guys are digging saying made possible by the investment and leadership of these companies? Mm-hmm. Um, or when you're advertising in the paper to sign up and, and get service, um, what's wrong with having those company logos as part of that ad that says, you know, this community service made possible by um, the foresight leadership of, you know, XYZ Bank and – abc hospital Mm-hmm.
0: and and i was going to ask you you know uh, how how big of an impact do the ego stroke kinds of uh benefits play in because you know as a market uh, person i know that those can matter a whole lot to folks
2: oh it's sure and it, you know i think you you know any good fundraiser would tell you 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 apply those on a case-by-case basis i'm not a you know i'm, I'm not opposed to or averse to or against um, playing to someone's ego if I think it's going to, you know, if there's a way I can do it to get more money out of him or her, uh, then sure, why not?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, you know, recognition is part of the game. I mean, you know, think think about museum fundraising, and when you walk into the museum in your local town and there's a big plaque that says the, you know, the Jones Family Foundation, um, you know, they they gave a check with a lot of zeros to have their name put on that wall.
1: hmm
0: Well, it's good to know that those kinds of things can work. I mean, I think in some respects, especially if you're talking about, uh, you know, you've got to think long and hard about the the long-term financial sustainability of the uh, network, is that you want to raise the money and you do want to incent folks to be an investor. But this is where, you know, you might step back from the traditional, you know, an investor in a tech startup wants to get a, you know, 10 times or 20 times investment kind of ROI, to think about you know alternatives. This is where the creativity comes
2: in. Sure, and, sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you could ever get to the point where you're you're when you say investing, you're not investing with an expected return. Although a, you know, not to say that a business model is not possible. That even though you com- you create a community project, um, that they're become shareholders in that project, and that eventually when it does start to generate some revenues. Um, that you couldn't have some of that, uh, you know, a newer back to them. Um, More than likely, I think, you know, the idea just hit me that if that were going to happen, rather than have it go back into the pockets of the shareholders, um, why not generate profits to spin off to a community foundation? Mm -hmm. So that, uh, you know, if if we get a true, you know, public service broadband initiative um, and a network that was... Funded and and established by the the community per se, public and private leaders and partners doing it for the good of the community, um, and eventually it becomes a profitable venture, Um, those profits could spin off to do more community good through Mm -hmm. a community
0: foundation or something like that. Are you familiar with Steuben County in uh, Indiana? Uh, I'm not. Okay. They were a guest on my show last year. Um, and when we just had a conversation that, um, that touched on something. We didn't call it economic uh, development fundraising, but you can tell me if this sort of fits that scenario. So what Steuben County does, they have a community foundation. The community foundation built a um, uh, a network, a 75-mile network around the county that is a dark fiber network, which basically means, you know, the services aren't turned on, what the businesses do is the businesses pay to have extensions run from the ring to their doorstep. Uh, but brilliant. the interesting, but the interesting, interesting thing about this is that the actual service. So after you you brought the, the 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 wire to your house, I mean you still have to go get a service provider to provide you the actual you know dial tone or connection to the internet. Um, but they charge the business two hundred and twenty five dollars a month. Uh, in essence, for the use of the line, for the use of the network. And 65% of that is invested by the foundation directly into community economic development projects.
2: Yeah, brilliant. I mean, actually, they did what we're talking about here, Craig,
1: mm-hmm. the
2: community. But in that case, it sounds like the community foundation sort of took the proverbial bull by the horns and said, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. um but there's no reason in any of the other communities that a chamber of commerce couldn't do it in EDC to create your own organization um mm-hmm. you know whether it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a 501c3 nonprofit it could be a 501c6 nonprofit um but I think it's a brilliant idea i mean mm-hmm. y- y- you think about it it's almost no different than you know a, com- a community foundation doing something that's clearly of public good let's say a community foundation um invest the bulk of the mon- the money to build a children's museum because it's something mm-hmm. good for the community that everybody can enjoy and it makes it a better place to live. Well, people are still going to pay money to go to the community, to the children's museum. You've still got to pay your, your $10 ticket to get in. Um, in a lot of cases, that ticket may be a, a tax write-off if it's going to a nonprofit. It sounds like what you just described is that that $225 monthly bill, some portion of it is deductible for tax purposes.
0: Uh, yes, that's another that's another element as well. Um, and, in fact, if um, when you look at how they sell the service of getting the the, the fiber uh, cable from the ring to the premises, they give their um, businesses three options. One is they can go chase after grants, um, which I think you probably have to get a bunch of businesses to do that together to make the grant proposal fly, but that's a technical detail but the other two options are you can pay for it directly so uh it's like $1500 to start and up to 250 yards will bring you the the cable to your doorstep but they also can make a um donation to the foundation which then as part of the donation to the foundation they get their their link to the to the fiber ring yeah brilliant i I mean i think
2: they've done exactly what we're talking about doing with a certain um approach there's a there's a there's many different approaches to do what we're talking about i mean the bottom line here really is that you know something that is for the community's good and benefit that, that 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 will be an economic as well as a quality of place benefit um that no one person or one entity can pay for by themselves collectively collectively, um, we can and, and figure out a way to do that. And, and my guess is for these broadband initiatives, it's going to be a combination mm-hmm. of, of private sector investment, local public sector um, participation, grant monies, like you said, whether it be federal grants, and um, but also maybe, you know, foundation grants as well, mm-hmm. local and or national.
0: That is opens up I think a whole lot of possibilities and uh when when I had um the representative from Steuben County on the show, you know, we talked about the fact that there are some four hundred, I believe, community foundations across the US. Oh, there's more than that. Oh, okay. Then uh then, then then we definitely have I think that as a as a viable option. I know like for example in the Bay Area here in, in uh San Francisco, Oakland, and, and the surrounding areas, there are four community foundations serving, uh, you know, just this area alone. The Oakland mm-hmm. and the East Bay has one, San Francisco has one, Silicon Valley has one, and they all work differently. But, you know, we we sort of trying to pique their interest in this idea of, you know, why doesn't the foundation uh, provide uh, some mechanism? You know, in, in Steuben County's case, their community foundation created an enabling organization. And that right. organization is what physically does the work of getting the network built and so forth. But, you know, they already have standing. They have credibility, right? You know, because you talked about that earlier. Uh, you know, if the organization has credibility, has a track record, that's going to, to matter to people who are going to invest in the project. Sure.
2: I think, it's a gra- I think it's a great model. It's
0: a great idea. Mm-hmm. So we can definitely move forward on that. Now, before we get totally away from from ourselves here, there's a fourth point that you bring up, uh, which is um, accountability. Everything needs to have specific goals, and there needs to be uh, a level of accountability uh, by the uh, organization that's driving the project to those people who have invested the money. We sure. Very logical, but we should probably talk about it because it is not something that should be overlooked. Yeah,
2: and, and and again, in this arena, it's probably going to be a little different than than what we're typically used to. But when we say that for our traditional, uh, you know, economic development organizations, it's about you know what are you going to be hold, hold yourselves accountable. And and, and and frankly, the professionals um, get real nervous because well, we can't guarantee a thousand jobs a year. Um, well, I, nobody's asking to guarantee it. But at least set some goals and show your investors what you're doing to reach it, and so that when you you know, and if you reach it, you can everybody you know, high fives and says we hit home run, and if you don't, well, at least you've got a, a story to tell. That said, well, he, he, here's what we did and here's why we didn't reach our goal. It's no different than you know every football team owner wants their coach to win the Super Bowl every year, <laughs> but they they don't all get fired because they don't. Right. Um, if they fall woefully short. Than they do, and that's that's really what we're talking about accountability. It, it's mm-hmm. it's what are we going to do with this community's money to move the ball forward, um, and and how are we going to measure our progress, and how are we going to um, you know measure success, et cetera? Um, because again, no one just wants to fund activity; they want to fund outcomes. In a broadband initiative, I, you know, I don't know enough about it, but my guess is that it would be something along the lines of you know how many miles, you know, how many gigs or bits or whatever of bandwidth, um, how many users, um, that sort of thing would, would probably be fairly straightforward in terms of projecting goals and outcomes. Um, from an accountability standpoint, it might be a, a cost issue that we're not going to exceed, you know, X dollars per mile or X dollars total or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm.
0: One of the things that's actually interesting about broadband, well, there's two things. One is that the, um, the track record of outcomes directly attributed to broadband is still light because there's not a lot of these networks in place. And so it makes it difficult to say, like, to point to stats and say, well, you know, this is what they did and this is what they achieved. On the flip side, you do have to be mindful of the fact that, yes, these people have invested and they want to see, you know, they want to see progress and so forth. And so I think there's, like, there's two benchmarks of sorts that need to be addressed. One is the, the physical progress of the network. You know, while this thing is being built, there's a danger that it becomes invisible because there's a eight-month, nine-month period or longer, depending on how big the project is, where you don't see anything. I mean, you just physically don't. Mm-hmm. And so, and letting people know that, you know, we've gone X far you know, we're 20% there, we're 6% there is, is helpful as far as, you know, sort of an upfront level of accountability, that there's progress being made. But I think that the um, – what's interesting – so we did a survey in uh, TUMWA of um, – you know, asking people, you know, what do they want to do with the Internet? Uh, Are they satisfied with the services they have? And then we give them an open-ended question at the end of the survey. You know, do you think that having this network would be good, economically speaking, for Tumma, right? And it's across the board. We're just asking everyday folks, uh, and we also did, you know, send it out to businesses, But the number of people who responded to the open-ended question with, we see broadband as being able to help draw in new businesses. We see broadband as helping uh, keeping our our kids from leaving after they finish school. So what it pointed out to me is that a lot of folks do see a benefit, even though there isn't that full-on track record. And, And the accountability side of it, I think, you know, when we go into the final presentation and, and, and the city decides how they're going to move this thing forward, or the Economic Development Corporation, actually, it's not the city, um, I think they're going to define goals and say what we're really trying to do is trying to bring X number of businesses. We're trying to um, move to this point, we're trying to move to this area of. Um, I don't know the knowledge within the industry that this is a happening place, and there will be anecdotal evidence, there will be um, you know speculative evidence, and, and to a certain extent, a certain amount of, of hope until things start to happen.
2: Sure, and I think you know the surveys is a great way to talk about the potential and the, the need. Um, But everything I think you've just described, Craig, is absolutely true, and it's it's really not all that much different from what a typical economic developer sort of goes through when they're defending and explaining and documenting um, the success of an initiative. And and the beauty of what we do and how we do it compared to what you're talking about is you know economic development's a, a a long-term game too um most of the things we do these strate- we call them the multi-year strategic initiative um with the emphasis on multi-year um you know you can't do you can't go recruit industry and move the needle in a year and you can't do it on what i call the gerbil wheel where <laughs> you start at the beginning of this year and you do your th- things and then you start over and do the same things over again next year it's a long-term the process um well our campaigns are funded typically over 5 year periods so you don't start here and end in december and then start again next january you start here and you run hard for 60 months and at the end of the 60 months is when you want to be able to show that um result and outcome and impact um yeah you want to have progress reports in between during those 60 months on an annual basis um, but no one's, you know, as they say, Rome wasn't built in a day, and I'm guessing most broadband networks don't get built a day either. Oh
0: no, 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 no! They're they're a they're a work in progress. I mean, I think that even with a small town, you know, a town of twenty, thirty thousand people, and maybe it's fifteen square miles, you know, they should budget probably a year for, yeah. uh, you know, all the stuff that needs to happen, especially because you have to deal with climate issues. You know, especially as you move uh, into you know places where it snows a lot or rains a lot. Uh, particularly the snow and the cold, that's yeah. going to affect your uh, your, your development time. Um, so just
2: like anything else, you're going to have milestones, and the first mm-hmm. milestone may be, you know, certain physical construction-type things. The next milestone, you know, deal with adoption um, and service-type stuff, and the final outcomes are probably the more, you know, indirect, but ultimately what you're trying to do, which is produce, you know, new jobs, new companies growing. And it doesn't always have to be from outside. Um, If you Mm -hmm. grow a company um, in town that was able to grow because of the the bandwidth that you provided them, well, you know, that's a big win. Um, I also want to point out, you mentioned small towns, and we work in a lot of them. You know, one of the big selling points or the, the, the rallying points or what resonates in a lot of communities around the country is this idea of competitiveness um and communities want to compete with their neighbors 50 or 40 or 100 miles down the road and they don't like it when a when a place that they think they're better than is doing better than them well how come they got that or how come that community went there why didn't they come here um you see uh, you know we play to that that notion of com- competition with other communities a lot and my sense is that a lot of your listeners are probably in places that that the the hook that may resonate when they're trying to sell this idea of a broadband network, maybe that competitive hook that says, "Look, if we do this, we'll we'll catapult past our our neighbors down the road, or we've got to do this just to keep up with our neighbors down the road."
0: Mm-hmm. Now, is we may as well tackle this one question. We got just a few minutes left. Is there a size of the community for which this type of activity? Uh, is is less, I don't know, less effective?
2: Yeah, it's a great question and probably a relevant one, but it's really a hard one to answer because I'm never, I'm always surprised. Um, you, you know, I think the bigger question is what's the minimum cost, uh, what's the minimum financial, you know, commitment um, will make a difference in trying to implement whatever it is you're trying to implement, whether it's physical you know, putting stuff in the ground or bringing in service providers or whatever. Um, if, if you know, if, if your question is, how much money can you raise in a community of ten thousand, in a community of fifty thousand, in a community of hundred thousand? That's across the board. Um, you know, we raised over, we've raised over two million dollars in communities as small as ten and twelve thousand people. Um, they had some good leaders. They had a good program. They got it. They understood. Look, if we step on the gas and we do um, what we need to do um we can compete with communities much larger than than us in terms of attracting and keeping business and growing jobs other places don't get it um you know there's no rule of thumb there my sense is for a lot of what i assume your audience is and what you're talking about for these smaller communities you're never going to go out and you know if you've got a, a county you know, let's say a, you know you're looking at a, a county-wide network and your county is fairly rural and it's got you know 20 to 25,000 people or less you know it's not realistic you're going to go out and raise 20 million dollars but if it's going to cost 20 million dollars to do what you want to do does that mean you give up the ghost no you don't um you figure out a way to do to have everybody play their part you might be able to go raise 2 or 3 million dollars from your business community maybe the public sector can kick in some money maybe you've got a provider um that is now willing to make an investment because the community has made is going to come through with an investment as well um so so that i guess that's the way i would answer that question and Mm -hmm. and real quick a a perfect what i think an analogy based on what i think i understand about the the impediments and the obstacles with some of your listeners bringing in providers and bringing in these networks is the raw cost upfront cost um relative to the benefit of 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 you know a couple of ten thousand customers versus a couple of million customers in a metro region We've seen, uh, many of your listeners may have heard the stories of smaller communities um, subsidizing air service. You know, instead of broadband, what they said, our, our challenge, our impediment to what we want is air service. Okay, it's too expensive and the airlines won't come here or whatever, but we've got a great airport. Okay, well, what they've done is they've gone out and they've gotten the business community, much like what I'm talking about, to commit a certain amount of money, whether it be in, you know, pre-bought tickets or just a handover subsidy, if you want to call it that, to now it becomes a cost-effective equation for the airline, and they'll come in and do it. Um, People still have to buy tickets and all that, and everything runs normally, but where an airline would not have otherwise come to that community, um, they come because the community collectively steps up to get them there. Okay. I, I see some parallels there.
0: Okay. I think we have a call coming in from Chuck
3: Hello, this is Gigabit Nation. Hello,
0: Craig. Hey there. Yeah,
3: it's Larry Baumgart here. How are you doing?
0: I'm fine. How are you?
3: Not bad. Just got a quick
2: question for Tom whether or not he's got some experience in dealing with uh, crowdfunding
3: or crowdsourcing. Also, on the eclective approach, whether he's
0: got experience on dealing with cooperatives.
2: Uh, the answer to the first one is no. Obviously, that's a pretty new phenomenon and we're we're watching it. Um but in terms of the the, the the purest nature of it, no we don't. Now I'd like to say what we do is a version of that, but but it's not what you're talking about. Um as far as cooperatives, I, I think in in the strictest term of what you're talking about, probably no, but um we've worked with a lot of communities in on these initiatives that ultimately become cooperative efforts. In other words, the leaders that I'm talking about come together and say, This is what we need They become the initiative themselves. They raise the money, and then they make sure that a collective um, number of organizations do the work. For example, a a broadly looked-at economic development initiative may raise several million dollars, and that several million dollars then gets uh, appropriated, if you will, to the community college and to the Chamber of Commerce and to the Economic Development Authority to do their parts of the work that It's you?
3: interesting. I look at
2: aboriginal communities. Uh, they're much cooperative, and I look at them, you know, one uh, one member, one vote type of thing, and, of course, then uh, as a type of cooperative, they uh, form
0: enterprises quite successfully, like casinos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, we got about two minutes left, so thank you very much for calling Larry. It's good to talk to you. I don't think we've we talked on the air yet, so... No, it's been there. a
2: while, Craig. Talk to you later. That on
0: that one. Take care. Thanks. Bye bye. All right. So we've got about two minutes. I do have one burning question, though. Uh, before we sign off, is it viable, feasible, practical to look at doing this kind of approach for a say low-income community within a large urban environment? So it may be, you know, two or three square miles within a Philadelphia or a Chicago.
2: Um, I think it is, Craig, but I think what you need to do is you need to have it be adopted by somebody. You know, the idea needs to be adopted by somebody that's pushing that. Um, because in my experience, you know, we're working with uh, some organizations called LISC, Local Initiative Support Corporations. Their whole mantra is um, home ownership and, 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 and community development in pockets of, of poverty and low income within urban areas like you're talking about. Um so, I could see this being a a pet project or a pet idea of somebody like that.
0: Mhm, and then they take it and nurture it but it is but but logistically, it is a practical thing to do, and so that's one thing to uh consider and I'm gonna have to kind of cut us off here because uh it's it, we're almost out of time, but this has been very informative, Tom, thank you very, very much for sharing your expertise and insight. Um I, I'm sure we will be in touch again uh we'll in, in touch again real soon. My pleasure. All righty, take care. And to our audience, thank you for tuning in once again. I hope this has been a very valuable uh discussion on you know finding money to make these projects viable. Uh I always uh you know wish people the best of luck as they pursue these things. Don't forget to think outside the box. That's one key thing I think that can make an idea like economic um, development fundraising really pay off dividends is, is thinking very creatively. And with that, we're going we're gonna to close. Hope to see you next week. We'll be talking to the folks in Missouri about their broadband project. Uh, they've got some interesting stuff going on there. Take care and have a great day. We'll talk to you again soon.